Hey, welcome back to Vigilant Hockey. This is Chris and today's co-host, Sebastian. Hello, hello. And you know us, we're just a goalie and a goon that have taken one too many pucks or fists to the head and do not claim to be hockey experts, but simply overzealous hockey fans that love to play, watch, read, and talk about hockey. So, uh, how goes it, Sebastian? Uh, not too bad, you know, I just got uh, done a three-day camp and then bring hop to go coach two games of spring hockey and... Uh, you know, finishing work today and going back to coach two more games of spring hockey. So uh, it's been busy. How you doing? I'm doing good. Been getting warmer here finally for most people that actually like that. I, I hate the heat. You know, I have that super thick blood. So the second it gets above like 20 degrees, man, I'm already cooking. So people are really enjoying the hot weather, but uh, I'm definitely struggling through it. And being up in a loft because, and again, this is where I record. Y'all might hear background noises. It could be co-host Phoebe, uh, but if it's weird random noises, it's definitely the streets of Copenhagen here. So I apologize for that. But there's not air conditioning in this country uh, for the most part because they haven't needed it. My summer's been going on, and you know I'm excited to see what's going to be happening in the next hockey season, man. But it sounds like you're already in it. Oh yeah, it's uh, it's definitely been busy. I'm. Uh... Definitely looking forward to a little bit of a break here. Things have been running both work-wise and, and, and hockey-wise. So, I, you know, the, the body and the mind starting to feel a little bit here. But, uh, hey, it's hockey. It's what we do. Yeah, it is hockey. It's what we do, and we absolutely love it. And on this podcast, we're going to be talking about really the upcoming 22-23 USPHL seasons. Let me put a context on this. I'd like the USPHL to restructure. And I will say, USPHL, if you use this, I will claim zero rights over it. I just think it's a really intelligent way to handle the upcoming season. I have no idea how you're going to handle it. But there's there's a reason I created this. And before we actually get into it, I will say big, huge, awesome congratulations to the Austin Bruins organization. This weekend had two champions crowned. First of all, C.J. Smith, who played with the Austin Bruins between 2011 and 2013, won the Calder Cup with the Chicago Wolves. And Nico Sturm, who played with the Austin Bruins between 2014 and 2015, just won the Stanley Cup with the Colorado Avalanche. So huge congratulations to not only C.J. Smith and Nico Sturm, but to the Austin Bruins organization, definitely, definitely producing champions. Yeah, that's not a... uh... That's not a bad day to be an Austin Bruin, that's for sure. No, no, they they had a they had a hell of a weekend, that's for sure. And I I know they're celebrating it. And uh, again, congratulations to both C.J. Smith, the Chicago Wolves, and Nico Sturm, and the Colorado Avalanche. And be ready for it because in about a week you're going to hear our co-host Michelle Wells jump on here and talk about her NHL team, the Colorado Avalanche, winning the Stanley Cup. So get ready to listen to that episode. But you know, Sebastian, let's talk the USPHL. Yeah, um, I, you sent me over this slide and it was like math equations and like greater than <laughs> and like the hypotenuse and, you know, why it's photosynthesized, all that kind of stuff. So I'm going to let you talk about this equation. But hey, let's 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 get right into it. I, I see here and I'm just going to go right from the top of the page here. Let's talk Western Conference here. Let's do it. Uh, so basically, I created kind of what I think the USPHL Nationals should look like. Me and Brendan Price of the Northern Colorado Eagles, we're going to get into it, but our podcast ran for like almost 40-something minutes, so we never actually got to the slide, but it was awesome getting his inputs on 
what he believes that a restructure could look like with the USPHL. Because the USPHL, the USPHL Premier is 73 teams strong right now. That's uh, you're approaching two and a half leagues right there. Easy, if not just straight up three leagues with how big it is. And winning a national championship in the USPHL Premier is no joke. It's tough. You've got to get you've got to be the other 72 teams in your in your league to be crowned the champion in the 22-23 season. And with the West expanding so rapidly, because now we have the Northwest Division, five brand new teams involved there, and then the Mountain Pacific each included a new team. We're now 18 teams deep in the Western Conference. That's huge. Uh, well, I call it the Western Conference. There's no official terminology for this, but this is what I'm calling them. So, if, again, USPHL, feel free to uh, use this terminology. I, again, I claim zero rights to it. And really, at the end of the day, Sebastian and I have talked about it, and we'll definitely talk about, you know, uh, you know, feel free to, like, dive into previous episodes or previous comments on renaming things like the Midwest West Division, like, whatever. Oh, uh, yeah, talk- the Northeast West South Central Division. <laughs> oh, there, there, there's so many things that could be called. You know, you called after Lake Superior, called after the Rocky Mountains, called, called, switch up what you need to switch up with the I mean, Appalachian Mountains. I mean, seriously, so many better things to call some of these divisions than like what some of them are actually called. So that said, let's break into the Western Conference, as, as you mentioned. And in the Western Conference, we got the Northwest Division, the Mountain Division, and the Pacific Division, all perfectly named divisions, to be honest. Uh, the Northwest Division has five teams, the Mountain Division has six teams, and the Pacific Division has seven teams. That's 18 teams in total. My suggestion, mathematically, is 22% of the team should advance, which means four teams advance to nationals. Now, with the three divisions and four teams advancing, how do you equate that? So, this is basically what I thought. Obviously, the division championships advance. If you, if you won your division, you advance to the finals. That's a duh factor. And that's going to be a duh factor through all of these divisions. But you start to need to like calibrate, so to speak, how teams advance there. Because if you have 18 teams and only three teams out of the Western portion of the United States advance to the Nationals, that's not cool. They've got to find a way to have you know appropriately distribute the wealth around the league. And I think with the West Division, again, or the Western Conference, 22% of the teams advancing. So I would say that they'd have a Western Conference round robin winner. This would consist of the teams that, you know, were the runners up for the Northwest Mountain Pacific Divisions playing a basically three team round robin. The highest winning percentage team that's in this round robin will be the team that hosts. So basically, hypothetically speaking, say for this season example, the Ogden Mustangs, the San Diego Sabres, and the Bellingham Blazers are the three teams that won their uh, Western Conference. So let's say the Northern Colorado Eagles, the Fresno Monsters, and the Rock Springs Prospectors were the teams that lost to those teams. Those three teams now get to compete where one team advances to the Nationals. And they do it in a round-robin play. And let's just say Fresno was the team that had the highest winning percentage throughout the season between Rock Springs, Northern Colorado, and Fresno. Fresno hosts, which means both Northern Colorado and Rock Springs have to travel out to Fresno, and Fresno hosts the round robin. And, of course, whoever wins the highest percentage there, you know, a win would be like worth three points, an overtime win would be worth two, an overtime loss would be worth one, a loss is worth nothing. Um, The top team advances coming out of that. And 
obviously there's going to be tiebreakers, but they can get into nitty gritty details of that. I'm not going to get into tiebreakers if two teams end up with the same exact point total. Obviously goals is the biggest one, but I think this is a great way to distribute the wealth, especially with the growth in the Western Conference. And that's why I think personally, the reason I created this is I think that the West needs to be better represented. I think it's going to be a crying shame if the USPHL only allows three teams out of 18 to advance without properly distributing the wealth. Yeah. And again, I mean, just looking at kind of your mad scientist board here um, (laughs) and you kind of look at the different teams, like, I mean, and, and I don't want to talk too much. You know, you're going to go into the Southern Conference and that'll be your thing. But, like, you look at them, they have 12 teams. So when we talk about distributing the wealth, I mean, even as a recruiting like, standpoint, like, as players, you want to play for a good team, but you also want to be able to, like, run, make a run for the championship. And if you're playing in, in a division that has, like, seven teams and three of them advance, I mean, it's a no-brainer to go play in that division because you're going to get a chance to go to nationals and get seen. So not only does distributing the wealth that you talk about, you know, good for the league, but it's good for the players. You're going to get players who you know, aren't going to, as free agents, going to pick the teams that have a better chance of going to, to nationals. I mean, not the, at the same way here. It doesn't mean that the best teams are going forward because there's such a such a, a small, you know, a small group compared to like a large group, like another, you know, like if you talk about the central, when you get there, it's a bigger number. I, I actually doubled the number. So it's like, how do you, how do you work that? So I, the, the way you kind of put it so far, kind of distributing the wealth and kind of letting a percentage from each team go um, makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and it's it's the best way to handle it with the current seasonal structure. And I don't think the league personally would have an issue with this. The teams in the league, I think it works out real well. I gave this a ton of thought. And then, again, maybe the USPHL has different thoughts on it. I have no idea. But I would love to know if they don't use a structure similar to this, why not? Because I don't think teams – it doesn't matter how long the team's been in the league because there's been definitely teams that have been there for a while – they shouldn't hold a heavier weight in the fact that, well, we've been there for so long. Our teams have been for so long. We deserve to send more teams to nationals. That's not the way to properly handle it. Again, this is all perspective because I, I just thought more teams out of the West could have advanced last year. And, again, only two teams. We're literally talking, uh, you know, we had what? They had uh, 11 teams. And only two of them got to advance, at least. Northern Colorado, and I forget, I'm sorry, for the team that lost against Fresno. I want to say it was Vegas, but I could be dead wrong there. They should have deserved to play each other in one of those teams advance versus some of these league, some of these divisions in the USPHL, which definitely had, I'm sorry, but weaker teams that advance the Nationals just based off of numbers. And eh, that seemed rough because Northern Colorado, or again, I think it was Vegas, definitely deserved to be there. But that said, the Southern Conference has 12 teams in total, the Southeast Division having six teams and the Florida Division having six teams. I also think the Florida Division at this point could rename itself. You have a team in South Carolina and a team in Georgia, you know, so, you know, a third of the teams in your division don't play in Florida. But I understand why it was originally called Florida. It's just time for a name change. But 12 teams, I think three teams should advance. Now, this is the highest percentage of the teams that will advance out of my scale here, and it's 25%. So in the Western Conference, 22% of the teams advanced. In the Southern Conference, with the way you break it down, there's going to be there's going to be some disproportion, right? So three teams advance because each division has six teams. And so how I see it, obviously, again, easy. The division champions advance, and then there's going to be a best of three series. You don't have to have a round robin in this case. Again, say it's the Florida Eels and the uh, the infantry, right? The infantry and the Eels are the runners-up. They play three-game series. 
if obviously if the infantry win off the hardcore gameplay of Cade Corbin, who shuts down the Eels back-to-back games, boom, two games, it's over because it was the best of three. I'd say that's how you would take on the, the Southern Conference and allow three teams to advance out of that division. Again, the team with the higher winning percentage in the season clearly hosting. Yeah, so, I mean, th- those are all good points. Um, and then, again, like I said, you looked at the Central Division, you know, they double in teams. So they have 24 teams. Um, so how, how are you going to, like, for them in your plan, how are you going to, ha- how is the Central going to handle sending X amount of teams to Nationals? They have 24 teams because the Midwest West has six teams, the Midwest East has five teams, and the Great Lakes has seven teams. So 21% of these teams will advance, and that will also feed into the Northeast Conference, which will also have 21%. Um, but in this case, five teams advance out of the Central Conference, as I label it. Also, why not just call the Midwest East the Midwest Division and the Midwest West the Northern Division? Easy breakdown there. That said, wait, you don't like you don't like Southwest East North Pacific Region Division? <laughs> I mean, that's those are all good names. I mean, I'm sorry, USPHL, but Midwest Division and then the Midwest East Division, like, let's get some better names here. Yeah, it's just. Make them appealing. Midwest division sounds fine. Just drop the east and then, again, rename the west like the northern division. Um, re- rename the Midlantic division to, like, the Atlantic division or call it the Appalachian division or something. Uh, because you got teams stretching out between, like, Buffalo and everywhere. So just Appalachian, maybe? Uh, it's my you opinion. Know, honestly, Buffalo should just fall, fall right into that Florida division. I mean, it makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Florida teams do play the uh, Buffalo Sabres in the, in the NHL, so you know, there you go. Uh, but they have Logic. they have private planes and everything. So <laughs> I think that I think the Stampede ownership right now is cursing your name. <laughs> so yeah, man, you're right. 24 teams in the Central Conference, as I label it here. Again, the three teams that automatically advance are the division championship leaders. Then it would be the Central Conference round robin winner and the Central Conference round robin runner up so in this case again you'd only send three teams but the top two teams advance so you don't want to be that team that doesn't advance so again they play the round robin play same point system same team host with the highest winning percentage and the top two teams advance and and so that's why i think it would just it would work the best five teams because it's so huge and again the percentage is 21 to 25 percent which is the best you can handle with the breakdown. And literally, I shifted the, the divisions around in terms of travel and play. Because, again, these teams got to face each other potentially in a bid to play the playoffs. With the West, you're going to run into massive travel. Seriously, it's you're going to hit it, man. If Pueblo has to play Seattle, I mean, that that's a hike, man. That That's a couple days on the road, or they just straight up have to fly. It. Those situations are going to happen in the West, where in the East it's not as destructive. But this is a great way. Five teams advance. There's a lot of teams. So five out of 24 teams advancing is pretty awesome. Yeah, and I mean, talking about all the traveling and everything like that, like if you think about it, you look at like even say like the NCAA tournament, for example, even leading up to the Final Four or the Frozen Four, you know, you, maybe you have like a quote-unquote tournament weekend or tournament week where this round robin takes place at a neutral site so it's a weekend long, four day long, whatever, how long you have to make it. Um, you know, every team's there, they're hoteled there. So there's no travel. There's no teams that have to travel two days on a bus. And then, you know, they get off the bus tired. They got to play a game. Everyone kind of has an even an even starting ground. And then you just battle out for those spots. And then, you know, the winners of that quote unquote tournament or whatever you want to call it, then get a berth to the Nationals. I mean, I think it's it's a good way of 
giving players more experience. So if as a league, if you're looking to provide more experiences for your players, like, you know, traveling and, and being in hotels and kind of playing for a spot in the nationals, I think that'd be a really good spot to kind of make those round robins where even if, if, you know, there's multiple round robins and you want to make it a full week where every round robin happens in these, this arena that has, you know, two, three ice pads or whatever, and you just make it a huge weekend could literally be like the USPHL battle for nationals or like whatever you want yeah. to call it. You can come up with so many, catchy names or however you want to do it like you know what i mean but you make it this big tournament not only is it great for players fans the league it's great for scouts they're all in one spot they get to see these teams before they move on to nationals and you know some of the teams unfortunately aren't going to make it so as a scout maybe you're going to still find guys that you really like on, on a team that don't don't make it and you don't have to travel as far it's in this one big spot i think it would just kind of be the best for the league overall I love that idea. That's actually an incredible idea. And like I said, the, the Nationals are going to be held in a specific spot. So why not have the lead up to Nationals being held? Maybe just the, the same city hosts back to back. Hey, we're going to host a weekend leading up to Natties and then and we're hosting the Nationals. So it could be that a team that wins out and they just stay there for a few extra days and boom. They, you know, practice on the whatever the ice is and they're there and already for Nationals. That could be... That could be yeah, an incredible and, idea. And, and I'm sure when they do their bid for nationals, there's probably multiple cities that put in a bid. So, I mean, even if you want to do that way or even do a second way where, like, you know, hey, you, you know, this this city won the bid for nationals, but you're a second, would you, you know, like you give them the first offer of refusal. You obviously, you'd have to do this early on, probably the season before. And I would say, yeah, we'd love to host, you know, the run to nationals or March nationals, whatever you want to call it. And then that way it's kind of cool for the players, too, because they get to go, like, two different spots, right? Like if it's a – like, say it's being held somewhere that has – you know, historic arena or a historic site or whatever, like something that's just really kind of good place for players to go and kind of be somewhere they've never been before. It'd be such a good way. And I, and I get those travel costs and, you know, there's hotel costs and all these kind of costs. But at the end of the day, um, if you even look at it as a business standpoint, which I, I'm not a fan of looking at hockey as a business standpoint, uh, but if you look at it as a business standpoint for the league, you're still going to make money there. You're sending a ton of teams from different divisions scouts are going to be salivating because they're you know maybe they always get to scout this one league this one division because that's where they are now they get to fly to buffalo for example and they get to go watch every division you know runner-ups kind of play for that spot for the nationals and then a week later they get to fly to i don't know let's say philadelphia i'm just throwing darts right now they get to fly to philadelphia and watch the you know the nationals again they get to see those top teams and they get to kind of rewatch those guys that were the runner-ups that you know won that that you know run to the nationals and now get to play so uh, to me i think it would just kind of bring excitement those are always good on hockey tv because you can just cram in like 50 games in a day if you want and i, I love just that think it, it, again i think it'd just be good for the league you know it's a money maker it, it's a exposure uh good for the players you know experience uh, good for the fans good for the scouts i think it'd just be good for everybody and i, I get there's a little bit more money put into it so this wouldn't be something like hey we're gonna do this tomorrow but like let's just say they announced it today they could say hey in 2025 the run for the nationals is going to be ran you know the way chris basically just put it and then you know that first weekend is going to be on x day it's going to be a full week of this and then the winners of that you know two weeks later will be going to x arena to play for the nationals so i just think it's kind of you kind of build up hype to it. You can kind of, you know, make tickets. I mean, look at the NCAA, that NCAA tournament. I love watching it just because how much it just hypes up. Like you just start off at, you know, you just start building it, chopping down teams, chopping down teams. So you get to the frozen four and then the final two. And it's just kind of a, it's a cool experience, kind of a tournament style, which, you know, you don't really get anymore once you kind of hit those junior ranks. And it's kind of a, it's a good team bonding too, especially if you're a young team and you're making a run. Let's say you even lose in that first weekend and you lose none of your players because you're a super young team, but you've had a good run. 
coming into that rink next year, those guys are using that as an experience to kind of have bonded, and your team's probably going to be 10 times better than what it was. So, yeah, you're spending a little money, but you're spending it on culture, which, I mean, spending money on culture um, is never a bad thing. You know, you're going to help yourself. Um, I could go on about this tournament for literally 40 minutes. Uh, maybe this should be an episode <laughs> where we just mean you just talk about how we would break down these two tournaments and, and, and off of what you've already built on. So maybe, hey, hey, fans, listen up. There might be a part two of this episode. I'm not guaranteeing it, but Chris and I are very passionate about this stuff, so most likely will be a part two of this episode. But before I take over this episode and just talk about tournament for 45 minutes, let's move on to Northeast, and if we have time, we can kind of circle back. Yeah, no, I actually love those ideas, and I think we have just found another episode because <laughs> I would love to deep dive into how we think it could be broken down and how the USPHL could literally market this to be – first of all, look at how the NHL does the way they start off the season – and then they finish again in Blaine, Minnesota. Everything happens in Blaine. The beginning and the end of the season right now happen in Blaine. For if, if if I'm correct, Jared Becker from the Austin Bruins mentioned, I think the last five seasons in a row, they've met up in Blaine. I could be wrong there. But it's exactly how this – I think uh, Brian Erickson mentioned that they got to play the New Mexico Wolves. Of course, Brian Erickson being the head coach of the Northeast Generals. They got to play the New Mexico Ice Wolves in the beginning of the season. And that's what it gets. You, you get to play the teams you won't really get to play the rest of the year in the intro to the season. And then if you make it to Nationals, you might be seeing those same teams again. But beyond that, you're really in one year in the terms of the NHL, uh, one of your four divisions. So I think the USPHL could do something similar. Maybe not so much of an intro to the season because it's such a big league because they have showcases all year long and i love watching each one of those because it's great to know that oh shoot there's a there's a december showcase i get to watch a ton of hockey in a really short window and i i love that and so i think you're right this is a new episode man but northeast conference yeah uh 19 teams in two divisions the mid-atlantic division is huge 10 teams and the new england division is nine teams those teams clearly should have a a bid and again 21 percent would go to them. And I think four teams would advance very similar to the Western conference. that has 18 teams. The Northeast conference would have 19 teams, 21 to 22% right there. Uh, four teams would advance out and kind of like the central conference, the division championships would advance. And then the round Robin winner and the, the round Robin runner up would advance. Yeah. So in this case, because you'd have, only two divisions and two division championships and you want two teams to advance you don't want the two teams like that would lose to just be like oh well we have automatic bids anyway so why play that division championship hard so the reason you would break this one down the way you would is that you would have the runners up advance but you would also have the team that had the uh, basically the highest winning percentage throughout the season if it's not one of the teams that advance so basically if, you know, Team A and Team B advance and then Team C and Team D lose and then Team E was the basically the highest winning percentage team, but they just didn't advance, they would still be able to compete in the round robin. So basically, it's not a complete elimination. You had a great season. You got eliminated in the playoffs. But based off of the way the teams fell, you still get a chance to play a round robin into the national championships uh, because there are again so many teams out there the team that the, they just might have had a bad run or an injury or a goalie played a bad game and why be eliminated from the national championships for that so the teams that lost in the, the division championships including the team that had the highest remaining winning percentage 
off of those two divisions would be the three teams that competed in the round robin. And then again, the same rules would apply. So this one gave me a small headache thinking about, but that's what I came up with when I, uh, when I developed the Northeast conference uh, round robin. Just kind of add on to that. I mean, you've already talked about how certain teams are kind of fired on divisions and, and all that kind of stuff. So I think even before they would you know, dive into this and then potentially dive into like our tournament style week or whatever, uh, they could dive into kind of just making sure everyone's in the right divisions and, and travel wise and try and make it easier for everybody. And who knows, maybe, you know, you grow that division by two teams or, or whatever it may be. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think that's the perfect way. I mean, you've kind of, it, it's, it's done evenly throughout their seven conference only has 12 teams. So, you know, they're pushing on three, which is 25%. And then everyone else is kind of, you've got them pushing on more teams, right? Like, a, like you got four from Northeast who has, who has, you know, 19 teams or five out of 24 and four at 18. So you're kind of still pushing an even number. Um, there's chances, especially if we, you know, we add on that tournament and those round robins or whatever, um, you give more chances to more teams to kind of get a second kick at the can and make a run. Who knows? Maybe that last place team who enters that first weekend of tournaments wins nationals or, you know, whatever they go on a hot run. And I think that's what nationals is about. I mean, nationals is about, you know, same like the NCAA once you get into you know, like the last eight, the last four, the last two. I mean, you never know who's going to take it. It's not about who the hot team coming in there. It could be about who the hot team coming in there. Maybe that last place team gets a really hot goalie and makes a run and wins nationals. And that's the fun of it. It, it. You don't know, you know, you don't think like this year, let's be honest. I think if we really were honest with each other, Colorado and Florida or, uh, sorry, I meant uh, Tampa or Florida kind of would have been your finals if you look at how everything when it goes into a tournament style it just kind of throws a wrench in everything and it's fun you get to watch cinderella stories i mean i am not a fan of basketball i, I mean i am I, i'll watch it here and there i mean i watched the raptors win a championship back in the day you know it was, it was cool as part of history that um, makes two of us yeah exactly and but i love the ncaa tournament because you see like a like and I'm, I'm blowing this out of abortion, so don't attack me because oh, there's only 18 teams or whatever. You know, the 42nd ranked team goes and pushes to the final eight or something. You know what I mean? Those are fun to watch. These teams yeah. who everyone has given up on. Like last year, I forget the team. Uh, Murray State, maybe. I forget. Again, don't shoot me. I, I don't really know. I, but this team didn't even have, like, tracksuits. Like, that's how they're, like, a low-budget small school. And, like, they were just knocking off some top-end tiers. And just continuously going, and like that was fun to watch. Like I, I don't like basketball; it's fun to watch. I'd love to see a hockey version of that. Yeah, I agree with you, and I think that would be incredible. And I mean, <laughs> uh, the USPHL is so huge; they could literally pull this off. But the Nationals, and I like the way that honestly, I like the way that they're the, once the teams are Nationals, I like the way they handle it. They break the teams into groups, and then round robins occur, and it just goes from there. I think. The way to get the Nationals is the area that the USPHL has a problem in. And to me, as a Western USPHL fan, that was evident last season. I'm sure that there was teams in the Pacific and Mountain Division last year that were extremely frustrated that they didn't get the, they didn't get a chance to even compete for a national championship because only one team in each division is allowed to go out. I don't think any team should have an easy walk to the national championships in the USPHL, I think each team should have to fight to get there. There should be no automatic bids because you had a great regular season. None of that crap. I think it needs to be, you earn the right to play in the playoffs. And then in the playoffs, you got to prove that you're a team that can actually keep winning. And I think that's what the USPHL could prove on for the 22-23 season. And again, I just want to see 
the best players in junior hockey get the best opportunity to play for a national championship. And if you're the team that can win the national championship in the 22-23 USPHL, you beat 72 other teams to get there. Where else can you say that? Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's, it, I think it just adds appeal to their league. Like it's, it's like yeah. you said, you've beat 72 teams to be the champion. It, it's a, it's a strong point of their league. And you said nationals is also a strong point of the league, but it's what's in between those two things that are strong points where they need a little bit of tweaking. So it's a strong all over. And then that way you're, you know, you can say like, hey, we believe we're the best league in the U.S. or wherever, like we're the best, whatever they want to say. But if you have a strong start to finish, like kind of they have, you know, they have a strong league, they have a strong way to finish. They're able to kind of implement something to make it, you know, a ton of fun all the way through for the players, fans, for the league, for everybody. It's a win-win. Yeah, it's. I think it's the right way to move forward. And hopefully I, I do get to hop on eventually with the USPHL's top podcast, the Dan K show and uh, chat about this. Cause they, uh, they seem to really, really like this idea as well. And they want to jump on and, and have a podcast about it, but I'd love to sit here and talk about them because they, they know the USPHL way deeper than I will ever know it. They have been covering it for near a decade and they have excellent coverage of the USPHL. So the fact that they're excited about this idea, I think highlights the fact that it's a, you know, my opinion, it's a pretty damn good idea. So, but you know, that's probably where we'll wrap it up for you listeners today. We want to thank all of you listeners for tuning in. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at PHH official to let us know what you think. And also be sure to comment and share any upcoming games or hockey news we should cover in a future podcast. This was the Pigeon Hockey Podcast with Chris and Sebastian. As always, thanks for listening. And remember, always clear your crease. <laughs>